Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I was 13 years old and I was going to a church right over the state line road in Hernando, Mississippi. And every year we grew up in the kind of church where every year we had what was called revival services. Did anybody experience those kind of thing? Every year, whether we really had revival or not, we had revival services. Whether we needed it or not, it was was just called revival services. And back in those days, we would bring in a guest evangelist, and from Sunday to Sunday, you would expect to be in church every single week, and uh, if you didn't, they would preach you conviction on you, you know? And, And I'll never forget, I was 13 years old, and our guest evangelist for the week of revival, his name was Don. Parker and he got up to the old wooden pulpit and he said I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter number three which is where we're going to go tonight and as we were turning because in those days you had to turn in your Bibles we didn't have it up on the screen I mean remember those days right <laughs> and and so as we were turning to Revelation chapter number three I watched and he tore a piece of notebook paper out of his notebook and he crumbled it up into a tiny, as small as he could, uh, like uh, ball. And then he shoved it in his mouth and he began to chew on it. How many know when you're 13, that dude had my attention, right? Because I knew something about spit wads. And I'm telling you, he had, he had a big one in there. I was like, this dude is going to, I like him. He's got my attention. And so then he started reading Revelation chapter number 3, which we're going to read in a minute. And so he's reading, you know, I wish that you were hot or I wish that you were cold. And you could hear, <laughs> as he's reading the Bible. And I'm sure there were some old timers in there thinking how disrespectful. But for a 13-year-old junior high boy that was trying to love Jesus, come on, I was like, this dude is bad to the bone. I like him. And he's chewing this spit wad, and he's reading Revelations 3, or I wish that you were cold. But because you're not hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. He started preaching and he was one of them you, you can kind of tell I grew up in a kind of a old school southern preaching you know every once in a while I get a little loud just because I'm not sure if you're hearing me and man I, Don Parker had this big gray afro and you could see veins running through his head as he got excited about Jesus and for about a third of the message he's preaching away while he's got this big wad of paper as he's shooting he looked like a major league pitcher man like with a wad of tobacco and then about a third of the way through the sermon he said and the whole the title of the message by the way was are you going to be a spitball are you going to be a fireball for Jesus and he is making the biggest spitball you have ever seen in the history of mankind and he's chewing this thing and he's preaching and he's pointing. I thought he was pointing at me. Are you going to be a fireball or are you going to be a spitball? And the crowd would yell out, fireball. Come on, let's try it. Are you going to be a fireball or are you going to be a spitball? Oh, wow, you guys are into it. All right. And then, <laughs> that messed you up, didn't it? You, you jiggled in your notes there. And, 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 and about a third of the way, I'm into it. And he kept asking a question, are you going to be a fireball or are you going to be a spitball? And I'm on the edge of my seat going, I'm going to be a fireball. I'm going to be a fireball. Jesus, I want to be a fireball. He reaches into his mouth, grabs the world's biggest spitwad, 
and he rears back like a big league pitcher. I'm no kidding, man. Now, we were in one of them old-timey churches. You know the kind with the pews on the side, one aisle down the middle. We only seated about 100 people. So the walls were pretty close, and he threw the most wicked curveball you've ever seen. He took that thing out of his mouth. He reared back. My eyes got big. He threw it right across the tops of our heads, and it curved and hit the sidewall. It hit the sidewall with a splat, and spit went flying everywhere. You might think it's gross, but all these years later, I still remember it. And the rest of the message, he kept on preaching. Are you going to be a fireball or are you going to be a spitball? And we'd look over there and go, I don't want to be a spitball. Jesus, I don't want to be a fitball. I'm going to be a fireball for you. I want to be a fireball for you. I was determined on that day that I'd never be lukewarm for Jesus. And that's what he deals with in this last church. Now, I can't say to you that I've made that promise and that I never was somewhat lukewarm for Jesus. But I'm telling you, he says some things to us here. He said, he, I, 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 one of the things that happened to me when I had COVID, I think I've told this story, but I lost my smell and I lost my taste. And I'm still trying to get all of my smell back. If I try really hard, I can smell my morning coffee. How many know that's just pure torture, right? When you can't smell your coffee, that's just not right. And, um, and so I was about 10 days out of COVID, still finishing up my quarantine and trying to eat and get my strength back. And, and one night before bed, I decided, you know, I'm going to have a bowl of Cheerios. And, and I pulled a bowl of Cheerios. Cheerios and I poured the milk in there and I was eating and I didn't really have much taste back but I was trying to get my energy back and as I got to the end you know when you're trying to get those one or two Cheerios that are floating around those rebellious Cheerios that won't go along with the crowd and I'm trying to get them out of the bowl and I looked over at Patty and said you know I don't have much taste but something doesn't taste right about this milk I don't know if my taste buds are coming back but they're coming back wrong well I want you to know later on that night it hit me because I had poured soured milk into my Cheerios because I couldn't smell it and I couldn't taste it. How many know smell and taste are a really wonderful gift that God has given us, right? And uh, now up until this point, now I'm going to get a little graphic. If you need to plug your ears, go ahead, feel free. It's nothing worse than Don Parker's spitball being on the side. Later on that night, I was visiting the little boy's room. How many know what I'm saying? And I was hugging that commotion. Do you know puking is about one of the most violent things you can do? Every muscle in your body. Up to that point, I have the family record I had not thrown up in 25 years. That's what happens when you live right. I'm just telling you. And, uh, and man, it was just horrendous. And when Jesus closes the series on the seven churches... The language is, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And, and, and you know, Jesus is telling the church, basically, he's saying to the church, you're making me sick. Mm. That kind of that says it a little bit different, does it? If I hear Jesus tell somebody, you're making me sick, I want to eavesdrop. Because I want to know what made him sick. I want to know what sour milk to stay away from. How many know what I'm saying? And church, we need to know what sour milk to stay away from. Um, there's rarely more harsh language in all of Scripture than that, that verse right there. I will vomit you or I will spit you. One translation says spew. And we can get more graphic, but you guys get the idea. 
Um, this is the only church that Jesus has nothing, not even a trace of something good to say. And this is the church that represents the last day church, the church that I believe that we're living in right now. So I think we ought to pay attention. Let's go to it. Revelation chapter number 3. Here's what it says. To the church of Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these words. These are the words of the... Okay, remember, if you got out of the habit, the flow. The first thing Jesus does to, in all seven letters is He reveals to that church who He is. He's already made all these adjective uh, statements in chapter number 1 about who He is. He's the great I Am. But to each church's weaknesses, he declares who he is to that church based on where they're weak. So with that in mind, let's look at the three things that he says. He says, I am the amen. I am faithful and true, the faithful and true witness, and the ruler of God's creation. So because of who he declares that he is to this church, gives us some insight to what they were dealing with in their church so let's look at these three a little bit more uh, a little more specific first of all he says this he says i am the amen and uh so this is his revelation the first thing that he says to them is i am the amen and uh, you know we say amen in church or at least i try to get an amen out of you amen. good job <laughs> kimber appreciate that that was a gold star for the night okay and uh Amen. It's actually a Hebrew word, and it means, it has a few different meanings, but it means surely, or it means grant it, like yes and amen, like that's for sure. We would say something like, you can take that to the bank, <laughs> you know, it's like a guarantee. Amen. Amen is also a word for integrity. So watch this. Here's how it works. If I say God is good, and you say the, together those statements is integrity. It's whole. The word integrity means wholeness or that's truth. So uh, if I say God is good and you say amen, amen is integrity. In other words, yes, that's truth what is being said there. Okay, And, and that's why I beg for amens all the time. Because there's some people in the room that need to know what I'm saying is true. Woo, you guys are doing good, all right? And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, look, church, you need truth. You, you have built on some things that are not truth. You have built on less than integrity. You have built on some things that are not guaranteed. You've built on your wealth. You've built on your reputation. Boy, we could contextualize that pretty easy in today's church, can't we? We've built on some things that are not necessarily the yes and amen promises of God. Come on. So first thing he wants them to know is, look, I'm amen. I'm the truth. I'm the guarantee. I am the guarantee to everything you are proclaiming from that platform. I am that. If you proclaim I'm a healer, I'm the amen to that. If you proclaim I'm a provider, I'm the amen to that. If you proclaim I'm a friend to the friendless, I'm an amen to that. If you proclaim I'm a banker to the poor, I'm an amen to that. You guys haven't picked up on the hint yet, right? I'm keeping on saying those until you say... All right, we got it now. Then he says, I'm the faithful and true witness. And so what he's doing here is he's showing direct contrast to what this church has become. He's saying, I'm faithful, which means they've not been faithful. He's saying, I'm true, which means they're not just preaching the truth. 
That's what Laodicea is dealing with. Remember all the churches, all of the churches up to this point, the one constant compliment was he loved their faithfulness. And he says to Laodicea, I'm faithful because you're not being faithful. And I'm the truth because you're not always proclaiming the truth. God forbid that we would ever get that kind of accusation, not just to the church corporately, but remember, we are the church. Right, everybody? And then he says something that I think is so interesting. It needs a little deeper dive, and I'm going to refrain from that. He says, I'm the ruler of God's creation. And the reason that he says this is they had become consumed in their own wealth. And he wants them to remember that while they think their wealth gives them control, their wealth does not give them control. That he is large and he is in charge. He wants them to remember that, that he, he's, he's in charge of everything. Job understood this. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away they were building on everything other than the fact that god was in charge they were proud of their money but james tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the father above right and uh, and now this church has absolutely no compliment given to them they just have a complaint let's dive right into it here's the complaint the complaint, uh, basically, I'm going to break it into three parts. A again, it goes a little deeper than this, but I think, it, it, I think it'll cover the majority of what we need to talk about. Uh, because the church of Laodicea, they have become compromised. Uh, they are very conceited. And uh, have you ever met a conceited Christian? There is just no... Have you ever met a conceited pastor? <laughs> Spiritually, there is just nothing worse than a conceited Christian that cannot be taught anything. That's the problem with Laodicea. They are lukewarm. They have enough God. Come on, but they have enough world. They have enough God that they don't need to be taught anything. Mm, that's a bad place to get. So they are a compromising church. They are a conceited church, which leads them, number three, to a Christless church. Let's read it in verse number 15. See if you pick up on them. He says, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Now, there's a historical reason why he says that we might touch on. And he says, so because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold, I'm about to uh, spit you out of my mouth. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about this compromised church. Um, when I was a little boy, I was probably around, um, I think I was probably eight or nine. It was one of the summers I lived with my grandma. And... Uh, my grandma, before bed, would always pour me a glass of milk and three chocolate chip cookies. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for grandmas. It's an addiction she created in me that I still have to this day. I want everybody to know. And, and so she would pour me the milk and three cookies, and I knew that was bedtime. What I didn't know about grandma was grandma would also pour her a glass of milk, but she didn't pour milk. She poured herself a glass of buttermilk. And she was going to drink her buttermilk after I went to bed. But she didn't like her buttermilk cold, so she would pour her buttermilk and usually put it in a place that I couldn't see it. But this particular evening, Grandma messed up really bad because Grandma poured a glass of buttermilk, let it sit on the table for a while. I came in thinking, there's my milk and where's my cookies, and took a big old chug of Grandma's warm buttermilk. That stuff is of the devil. I just want everybody to know. 
No wonder Grandma died early. I'm just saying, it just is not right. That stuff is bad news. But here's the question. He starts talking about them being a compromised church by saying, you've become lukewarm. Here's a question for you to ponder. How can you be run over by the grace train of Jesus and get lukewarm? How can you look backwards for a moment and think of what He's saved you from and where He's brought you and how He's healed you and how He's restored you? How can you praise Him for those things and become lukewarm? And I'm concerned right now for America's church. I really am. Without throwing any stones, I don't want to say more have, or I don't want to say how many have, but it's just concerning how many Christians have become lukewarm. God is not the box that everything else is filtered through. He's become a extracurricular box amongst many other boxes, and if I get the check marks off all the other boxes, I might have time for God. How can you thank Him for His grace and save your life and putting you in your right mind and treat him like he's another box i'm concerned when god is just another extracurricular activity and the church is just another subculture amongst other cultures that we have is anybody in agreement with me on that and and here's the deal he's you got to remember he's talking to the church He's not busting on the people that don't proclaim what we proclaim. He's, he's, he's busting on the people that say, I love you, Jesus, with their mouth. But their actions don't always say it. He's talking very directly to the church. Um, now, just a little bit of histori- history, because they're a part of the Tri-Cities. In fact, they're tied together with two of the other churches in two of the other cities. One of the cities, they had hot springs, and another city had uh, mountain spring water. So one city had crystal clear drinking cold water. Another city had hot springs. Well, Laodicea tried to pipe in the water from the other cities, and by the time they piped in the water, the cold water was lukewarm. And the hot water was lukewarm. And so this is why Jesus is using the language. He says, you got your foot on each side. He said, I wish you were either this. Come on, how many know it's much easier to preach the gospel to somebody that is dead to Jesus or somebody that's on fire for Jesus? But as a preacher, I can tell you right now, the hardest group to talk about Jesus to are those that have enough Bible that they're dangerous and enough church that they're dangerous because they already know everything. Now I understand why Jesus might say, I wish you were either dead or alive, but this in the middle stuff is making me me sick man jesus is having a bad day lukewarm is the hardest people to acknowledge they need revival lukewarm people are the hardest people to say hey there needs to be a little tweaking in your life um you understand what i'm saying it's the it's the it's the boiled frog effect Remember the boiled frog? Come on, the chef went out, caught two frogs, had a boiling pot of water, threw one in, the frog said, no way, jumped out and escaped. He said, I got a better idea. I'll fill the pot with water, put the frog in it. Ooh, and he's, he's doing the backstroke. He's like, whoa, this is pretty nice up in this jacuzzi. He just turns it up a little by little by little. 
and the frog dies. He boils himself to death. By the way, I looked that up. That's an urban legend. That is not scientifically true. <laughs> the frog will hop out. But will we? But will we? Are we smarter than frogs? And, and, and while the water's getting hotter, I wonder if it's not some mysterious chef or even devil that's turning up the heat. I wonder if while we're enjoying the water, if our hand isn't the hand that is on the dial that keeps... Oh man, I shouldn't even say that. We get lethargic. We get complacent. We lose our passion. We lose our zeal. Isn't lukewarm like being halfway? It, it, isn't it just kind of like being half-hearted and half-committed and half Half in, but half out. Come on, lukewarm. He says something here that I've never heard another preacher preach on, and I'm going to touch on it, and if you guys act like, oh, then I might preach it again tomorrow, okay? So that means you're my guinea pigs, all right, everybody? He says something. He said, I I've heard preachers over my life say the, the verse that says, I will spew you or I will vomit you out of my mouth, and the whole message is about the spitting part, but I got very interested on the out-of-my-mouth part. He could have just said, I'll throw you up. He could have just said, you make me sick. But the line is very specific in every translation. He said, I will spit you, spew you, vomit you out of my mouth. And I got very curious about that. Because the last thing I ever want is to be out of the mouth of Jesus. But he says, if you're lukewarm... You're in danger of being out of my mouth. Why is that so important? Well, for me, the thoughts that came to my mind, I like to think it was the Holy Spirit revealing this to me, but in His mouth, we are His testimony. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be out of His mouth. And I wonder if He's saying, if you're lukewarm, you're no longer my testimony because you're doing no heavenly good on this earth when you're lukewarm, when you look enough like the world on Monday, but you try to look like God on Sunday. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, I will spew that out. In other words, you're not my testimony anymore. You're not the church that I'm bragging about. You're not the church that I'm pointing people to that really need some hard lines of how to live in this fallen world. Mm. Does that make sense to anybody? If you don't like that one, let me give you another one. The Bible also says that He's ever interceding for us. That means He's going into the throne room of God and He's lifting my name and He's praying for Ken Hubbard and He's saying, God, you got to help that boy. God, He needs your blessings. God, He needs your grace. God, He needs a breakthrough. God, He needs wisdom. And if He spews me out of His mouth, then I am no longer being interceded for out of His mouth to the throne room of God. And I don't want to be out of His mouth. I want to be on on fire for God so that I'm in his mouth and he's praying for me every day in the throne room of God come on somebody I need I need Jesus praying for mercy and grace and blessings come on and breakthroughs I need to be in the mouth of Jesus I gotta hurry here we go the hey radius church just want to interrupt this message here real quick and just give you the latest update regarding serve day so I'm sure you're probably aware of it by now, but I just want to make sure you guys have all the information and just give you a reminder. So Serve Day is coming up here. It's now less than two weeks away, August 7th, Saturday, and it's really an all-day event. So we've been collecting uh, new shoes and boots, which we are still doing. We've been doing a grocery drive, which we are still doing. Uh, we have uh, a list that I'll put up on the screen right now of groceries that you can buy and still help contribute to that. 
Uh, we are also have an Amazon list. Uh, you'll find that right on the homepage of our website. You go to radiuschurch.tv, scroll down. You'll see a section there that says The Circle, which is our weekly news segment. Right there, you'll see a link that has our Amazon grocery list and you can shop online for groceries that way as well to make it easy. Also, on our website, you'll see an outreach tab right up at the top menu, and right underneath that, you'll see uh, Serve Day teams. And so there's a handful of different teams that you can be involved in on Serve Day uh, and to kind of varying, varying levels of commitment, really. There's some stuff that's more behind the scenes, some stuff that's more outreach and, and stuff like that. So we've got community teams, security teams, the taco team, uh, and just a bunch of different options there. So just go on, click on that. You'll find all the information, contact stuff. And so that is it. Man, guys, I'm fired up for it. It's gonna be an amazing day. I hope so much that you will join us on August 7th for, Thursday, uh, for Serve Day. And it's just gonna be a wonderful opportunity to go out into this community and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I hope you'll join me. I hope I see you there. That's all I got for you. Let's get back to the message. Here we go. The, the, uh, what was the first one? Uh, we, we have the compromised church and we got the conceited church. Watch what verse 17 says. Verse number 17 says, you say I'm rich. You're conceited. You say you're all that in a bag of chips. He says, but I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. That's a bad place to be. I wonder sometimes if our churches have become so efficient we live as though we don't need a thing. We don't need prayer. We got technology. We don't need prayer. We got bands. We don't need prayer. We got online. We don't need prayer. We don't need anointing. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need the presence of God. We've got good speakers and we got good bands and we got all the right stuff. Hmm. You're rich. You say you don't need anything. You don't pray like you need anything. Come on now. But you do not realize that you are... Man, I'm telling you, you think I get tough? Jesus is like busting on them. You are... When's the last time I ever called you wretched? Come on now. Huh? Jesus is like, you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. And your mama too. I mean, you know, it's like I'm just going to throw it all in there, right? He's just on it. I just say a few things make sure you're paying attention. Come on, everybody. I've seen somebody taking notes. You're rich and, you, and your mama too. What? All right. Smyrna. Remember Smyrna? Smyrna was broke, but Jesus called them rich. Now Laodicea is rich, but Jesus says, you're poor. And, and they were rich. Just a couple of historical pieces to help you. They, per, they, had, um, they produced a black wool fabric from black sheep i mean literally it was it, it was rare but they produced this black wool uh that that made designer clothes in their community so they had wealth coming in they also produced eye ointment it was like a salve and 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 so they produced that and so they were built on we're strong we're not having earthquakes like over there in philadelphia we're strong we got money coming in we're a church with money in the bank we're rich. We don't need anything. Come on now. Um, I think when you're full of yourself, it's kind of hard to be hungry for God. When you got, when the church, when the church at large is full of itself, it's hard to get people to show up for prayer meeting. 
When the church is full of itself, it's hard to get people to get down in the trenches. Come on, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Um, the Bible says something interesting about that. Jesus said when he first showed up on the scene in Matthew 5, he preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst, for they'll be filled. But I wonder if the opposite is true. Not blessed are the ones that aren't hungry and aren't thirsty. Because you call yourself rich. You say you're not hungry because you've been eating on junk food. Come on now. While all the while, the Father has a meal prepared. Mm -hmm. Laodicea was seeking possessions, and they were seeking positions. And, um, and I wonder if we're not as guilty as Laodicea in our lives where we seek success and we work hard to climb the ladder of success only to realize we've put our ladder on the wrong wall. Right? That's where Laodicea finds himself. The last, the last complaint he has to them is they've become the Christless church. Look at it in verse number 20. He says some things you've probably heard. You, you've probably heard this verse. I've heard Christians so misuse this verse, and so I want to try to straighten it out. Watch this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now hold that. Leave that verse up there. Because I've heard many a Christian say, Jesus is knocking on your door. And there's only a doorknob from the inside. And, and only you can open the door. And they use it talking to non-believers about accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is not what this verse is about. This verse, he's already talking to those that supposedly know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I want you to get a new picture of this verse. How tragic it is that Jesus is knocking on the door to the church that he died for, trying to get in the very church that is in there preaching about him, but hasn't let him in the church. That's what this verse is about. Remember, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to those that call ourselves part of the body of Christ. Behold, church, I'm standing at the door. I know you got everything you need. I know you say you're rich, but Jesus is knocking on the door of the church saying, would you let me come to church? Because your programs won't heal you, and your slick brochures won't heal you, and your pastor with skinny jeans, I don't think I have skinny jeans on, I'm not even sure what they are, uh, and your coffee and your cool and your trendy won't set you free. Please let me in to the church. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? Come on now. He's talking to the church. We have a lot, but do we have Jesus? Answer it in your own mind. Do you really have Jesus? We have more devotional. I was searching for a new devotional this week. My goodness. I bet I went four hours. I went through thousands of devotional ideas. We got Bibles and devotionals, but do we have Jesus? So here's his counsel to him, and I'll close. He says, after all this, he gives them his revelation. Are you getting anything out of this? He gives them, uh, he gives them their, their complaint, and then so here's their counsel. It starts in verse number 18, and he gives them counsel, and here's what it says. In fact, he starts with that. I counsel you. Now watch this. He's told them what's wrong. You're conceited. You're Christless. You're, okay? 
So, so you got these issues. So here's what I want you to do about it. Verse number 18. Here's the counsel. And I always highlight where I'm going to go. So watch what he says. And it takes just a little bit of digging. He says, if you find yourself lukewarm, here's, here's how I counsel you. Buy from me gold. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Right? You say you're rich, but you're really poor, so I want you to buy gold. What kind of riddle is this? Okay, we'll, we'll deal with it. It's not just any old gold. It's gold that's refined. Mm -hmm. And it's refined in the fire. Watch this. So then you can become rich. You think you're rich, but when you get my gold, you'll really be rich. Uh, hang on, we're going to get there. And, and, and then, with the money left over, I want you to get some white clothes to wear. Come on, me and Bob were the only two spiritual people in the room tonight. Wore white. Thank you, Jesus. All right? So you can cover your shameful nakedness. Thank you, Jesus. All right? And, uh, and then watch this. Remember, they sold salve. They sold eye. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Let's talk about these three things that he gives us as counsel real quick. He says, buy gold. He calls them poor. He's speaking their language because they're all about money. The church of Laodicea is all about money. Laodicea is living the American dream. I mean, the Laodicean dream. Come on, everybody. He says, I want what you need to get is you need to get gold. It's almost like he's saying it this way. You need to become like gold. Gold that is refined in the fire. And here's, let me, let me contextualize what he's saying here. He says, are you willing to be refined? See, you think you're rich, but I'm telling you, you're not. And, and I know you go to church, but are you willing to become a part of the church? I know you hear sermons, but are you really ready to live the sermon? We are living in a Laodicean age where everybody wants a pastor, or excuse me, everybody wants a preacher, but not too many people want a pastor or a mentor or a coach. Everybody wants the preacher to preach a good sermon, but don't meddle in my business and don't tell me how to live my life. Is there anybody in the house that is willing not to just get in the race, but to take up their cross and become disciples and daily die to myself and dedicate more to Christ. We're not looking for perfect people around here, but it'd be nice to find some people that are willing to be perfected. It'd be nice to find some people that are not satisfied with good sermons, but they're ready to be refined in the fire. Come on and say a good amen to that. We're working really hard. We're going to reveal to you by this fall some of the ways we as a team really believe we can do a better job bringing discipleship uh, into your lives. Um, uh, I love, I love, I love whenever Jesus has a complaint, he turns around and says, here's what to do about it. So that he doesn't leave us hopeless. Aren't you glad? You say you're rich, but you're poor. And he could have dropped the mic and walked off. But he didn't says, you say you're rich, but you're really poor, so I want you to become like gold. I want you to store for yourself treasures in heaven. Not treasures on this earth. What's that verse? Matthew, do you got that verse? Matthew. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. You know what that tells me? It's possible to send some ahead. It, that's what it says to me. When I invest in eternity rather than the temporal, 
I'm storing up some things. and That's a whole other sermon. All right, let's get out of that. Number two, the second thing he says is get some white clothes. That's what he says next. He says get some, get some white clothes. Because um, remember what he said? He said you're naked. And, and the reason he says this, remember Adam and Eve? Remember they realized they were naked? The Bible says way back there, way back in the first chapters of Genesis, he said when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it said they realized they were naked, and they were naked and ashamed. Laodicea, there's shame in this house. There's shame in the house. Because you know where you really are when the lights are out. Just like Adam and Eve. So he says, I want to cover you over in the righteousness of God. In the robe of righteousness. Colossians says it this way. He says, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Come on. Come on. I'm in Jesus. Acts tells us, in Him we live. And in Him we move. And in Him, I'm in Christ. I'm clothed in Christ. When God looks down and sees His Son and said, This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Now that I'm in Him, I'm perfected in Him. Come on, this is good gospel news, everybody. I'm in Him. And just as God was pleased with Jesus, now that I'm hidden in Him, He's pleased with me, which removes my nakedness, which removes my shamefulness by getting dressed in the robe of righteousness through repentance and forgiveness. Come on everybody and then lastly and then lastly he says this i need you to get some eye salve <laughs> that's what he says he he, he said you, you're bl-. remember because he told him you're blind you need some eye salve uh again he's speaking their language here uh he says you're spiritually blind you're, you're living your life aimlessly you've lost your purpose you've forgotten why you're saved You think the whole purpose of being saved is to go to heaven, but He hasn't come got you for heaven yet, so there must be something you're supposed to do. Quit living your life aimless. Quit living randomly. Quit waking up on the weekend and say, you know, I don't know, the sun's out, maybe I'll go to the beach. No, live your life on purpose. You're not going to accidentally spiritually grow. You're not going to accidentally raise godly kids. You're not going to accidentally have a godly marriage. You're not going to accidentally stumble into heaven. you got to have some vision come on somebody you got to have some purpose you got to have some direction you got to aim your life somewhere you got to see something you know the biggest miracle in the new testament is the healing of blind eyes because the devil knows that if he can blind you he's afraid of the fact when you get a vision for your life and what god can do in your life he is terrified because he knows if you can see it you can seize it if you can see it i can get it and that's why he's blinding you he's blinding you by the white noise he's blinding you by pandemics he's blinding you by pain he's blinding you by problems he's saying it's time to get some visine in the eyes and clear your vision up and get more in the way that God's plans and purposes are for your life. Amen, everybody. Woo! I had a couple weeks. No, I only had one week off. Good thing I didn't have two. I'd really be fired up, all right? Number four is here's his promise if you'll do these things. And I close. I love this part of every letter. I love the promises. Here's what he says in the promises. He says, um, verse number 21, to the one who is victorious... I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. I want you to pay attention to that line because what I'm going to say from this point out, I came in here tonight at about 5.15 
and I rewrote the whole conclusion of my message. And God put something on my heart just based on that line right there that I'd never seen before. He says, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. There were two disciples that argued about sitting with Jesus at his throne. Remember? Remember James and John? They're arguing one day. They said, hey, Jesus, we were wondering. You know, we think we're all that. We were thinking, you know, maybe one could sit at your right hand. Maybe one could sit at your left hand because we're all that. Because we're rich. Hold that thought. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These are the letter to the seven churches. And in, what I love is in all seven letters, he gives each church not a cookie-cutter description of himself, just like he will give you exactly what you need. If you need grace, he's got plenty. If you need love, he's got plenty. If you need discipleship and discipline, he's got some of that too. And if you need rebuke, he's got that. And if you need humbling, he has a way of doing that, believe me. I would rather humble myself, brothers. Come on, everybody. It's a lot easier. I would always rather go to mom and say, Mama, I messed up. Before mama comes and says, you messed up. Mm -hmm. so let me go back to this verse and this is what God put in my heart right before the service um, real quick let me say this today he's ready to reveal himself to you and what you need if you need wisdom he's here if you need a sense of belonging that's what he is if you need a father that's what he'll be if you need a teacher that's who he is He's saying to the church, I am ambidextrous. I'm just as much God over here as I am over here. And while I'm the God that doesn't change, I'm also the God that changes all the time. Go figure that one out. His ways are higher than my ways because one time he's a cloud in the middle of the day and you turn around, he's a fire at night. He's the same, but he's changing. Because what I need him to be today in my life might be different than what I need him to be tomorrow. And he's not a stone statue God. Come on now. He will reveal himself in direct proportion to the hunger you have for him. Oh my. I'm going to amen myself on that. Amen, Ken. That's good. Say that again. They need to hear it. Somebody needs to tweet it out. He will reveal himself in direct proportion to the hunger. He's not going to force feed you. You get hungry, he'll fill you up. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. There it is. Okay. In Mark chapter number 10, Peter, or not Peter, James and John, they're arguing who's going to be the greatest, right? Do you remember the story? I don't, do I have it? Oh, you're great. Awesome. Okay, so then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever uh, we want. Yeah, we want. Could you imagine the nerve? Yo, Jesus. Sounds like some Christians I know. We act like Christianity is about Jesus serving us rather than us serving him. And, 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 um, and then Jesus is kind enough. I think he had something up his sleeve. He says this, he says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, 
They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. And then Jesus said, you don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized in the baptism? In other words, can you, take, can you carry this kind of cross? You want to be great, but can you carry the cross? You want to be great, but can you carry the cross? Watch this. Remember, remember those that, that will sit at the throne room? Watch this. So later in Mark chapter 15, just, just, I was sharing this at a dinner table when I was in Memphis. And, and I was with some people, and, and all of a sudden this thought came to me. Because it's a guy that's called into ministry, and he's looking for an opportunity. And all of a sudden this came to me. And this, tonight, when I was driving here, I was rehearsing this in my mind, that Revelation verse. And all of a sudden, God put this on my... So this is raw. So, so make it better, bring it to me, and I'll preach it tomorrow, and they'll think I'm amazing. All right? So watch this. So they said, Jesus, I want to sit at your left, and I want to sit at your right. I want to be great. Jesus said, maybe, but can you drink this cup? Can you carry the cross? Do you know what you're asking for? Hold the thought. Fast forward all the way to Mark chapter number 15. Jesus is exhausted. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been falsely accused. He's been tried. He's carrying his cross. Anybody know the story? He drops his cross. Somebody he's never met before picks up his cross. Serene or something like that is his name. Serene Simon or something like that. And he picks it up and he carries Jesus' cross the rest of the way. Watch this. Didn't James and John want to be great? Where was James and John when Jesus dropped his cross? That was their missed opportunity. They had the they had the opportunity. Jesus said, can you carry my cross? Can you drink this cup? You want to be great, but are you going to be there when the going gets tough? Jesus drops his cross. James? Hey, John, remember you wanted to be great? You missed your opportunity. You missed the opportunity to be significant in the kingdom. Here's how I want to close this series. Don't miss your opportunity. Do you know there's a miracle in showing up? Those of you that are still watching online, God bless you. I am so happy you're tuning in. But if you're watching online because of health issues or other issues, God bless you. But if you're watching online because you've become lazy, I challenge you. Don't miss the opportunity to pick up the cross of Jesus and be something bigger than yourself. Don't miss your opportunity. The reason we do something like Serve Day, everybody, is because it's our opportunity to pick up the cross of Jesus, die to ourself, minister to people we otherwise wouldn't, spend money on people we otherwise wouldn't, Spend time on people we otherwise wouldn't. And as you've done to the least of these, oh man, I feel like preaching a whole nother message. As you've done to the least of these, you've done even to me. You want to be great? You want blessing? You want to be in my mouth? You don't want to become lukewarm? Then are you going to be there when somebody needs to carry the cross? Are you going to be there to feed somebody that's hungry? Are you going to be there to put some shoes on some homeless feet? Are you going to be there to put groceries in a trunk? Are you going to be there to serve a community that otherwise you get mad at? driving by and seeing people begging are you going to be there when the going gets tough can somebody say amen to me come on everybody i close with that here's the things we need you to go online 
If you're already, you've already verbally told somebody you're on a team, please stop and get signed up so we know. We want to make sure. We're meeting at what time Saturday morning? 9 o'clock, we're gathering everybody here for a word of prayer. All the five different teams might come back and meet at other times. That's not my business. My business is let's all get together in one house. I ne- Listen, friends, we need at least 100 people involved, a minimum. We really need 200, but a minimum to, uh, of 100 people to do all the things we've committed to this community of doing. Okay, here's the teams you can be involved in. Number one is the outreach to um, the, the group down there. Um, I, I don't want to call them the homeless. What's the area, the shelter, Valerie? The, 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 where you go, the shelter in the woods? The encampment, that's the word I was looking for. Okay, so we need a group that will work with Valerie and sign up on Valerie's team. You can go online and do that. That's our outreach. It's called the shoe team, all right? And is that what it's called online? I don't know, but you'll, you'll figure it out. And, and we're going to literally, we're, we're going to bust some of them in. We're going to feed them tacos, and they're going to leave with a brand new pair of shoes. And if you've never put a pair of shoes on somebody that has sore, stinky, muddy feet and cold feet sometimes... Come on. You want to be on the left and on the right? Come on and pick up your cross. So get on that team. Number two is we're going to have a grocery team. There's a team that's going to go out and knock in some neighborhoods that we have been praying over, and they're going to knock on the door and say, hey, come by at 7 o'clock, get a taco and a free bag of groceries. And so we just need some people to put groceries in a bag, and then they're going to drive through, open the trunk, boom, put it in the trunk, all right? And if you're shy, you can pack the groceries in a corner. We'll turn out the lights and not let anybody see you, all right? Okay? Number three, if you want to be on what we call the tacos, tables, and tents uh that's all just setting up tables that's setting up tents that's getting talking we're gonna have like 500 tacos out here everybody so or something like that maybe i just stretched it a little bit all right and uh we're gonna have a bunch of tacos so if you just come and serve tacos and wander around and talk to people come on sign up don't just say i'll be there i need to know you're stressing me out all right sign up all right and then also i think the team for the friendship house is already filled up so, so, so some of the teams, and I think our security team is already filled up. You can see Aquila back here in the back. Hi, Aquila. Uh, if you want to uh, be on the security team or the safety team, um, uh, you could see him. I know they've filled it up, but we'll take you. If you, this is your first time ever here, that's all right. Sign on up and see. Church is not what just happened this last hour. This is just the pep rally, the locker room. Now let's get on the field and kick the enemy's hiney. Amen, everybody? All right, that's all I got. That's all I got. Would you stand with me?